Hello, my name is Reverend Jodie Stoll. In the March 2020 lockdown due to COVID-19, I was in one of the few million households who were required to shield because I live with someone who is clinically extremely vulnerable. It's almost a year since that happened. Can you believe it? In that time, we've been under various regulations and we are now in the third lockdown. And for me, back to shielding. The way that I see the world and make sense of my faith in it is now fundamentally impacted by this whole experience. And so this is my podcast, Shielded. You're very welcome here. So welcome back to this podcast, uh, series three. This is week three um, of a new podcast every Friday. Um, and this week, uh, my conversation partner is someone who a lot of you will know uh, really well from uh, social media, um, from Twitter in particular, and that is the church mouse. Um, and we'll be talking together about what faith has looked like over the last year um, and why mouse sticks with God um, in the in the crap. Uh, so I shall let mouse introduce himself now. Okay, uh, so we're recording and um, it's my pleasure to welcome Mouse to the podcast um, today. Uh, so Mouse, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm sure most people will have come across you if they're at all on social media. Um, but yeah, just let us know a little bit about you. Yeah, hi Jodie. Um, people may have found me on Twitter. I do tweet at the church mouse. That's me uh, on Twitter. I used to blog. Um, how I first appeared online, the Church Mouse blog, all about the church and the Christian faith and uh, religious affairs in general, I suppose. Feels um, like a long time ago now. When when was when did you start that blog? Uh, it started in two thousand and eight, I think. Yeah. Um, wow. uh, but it ended a few years ago too. Um, uh, it, it sort of got a bit too big for its own boots and a bit too popular and a bit too hard work, so I stopped that and retreated <laughs> onto um, Twitter. Um, to keep keep the conversations going, which is still great fun. Um, I'm obviously involved in my my church and and various various other um, church related things. Um, and recently, for for lots of fun, I, I wrote a book on the the uh, ecclesiastical and theological history of beards. That was called Beard Theology, which was really good fun. And um, with that, why? where did it even come from how did you think hey that's a good thing to write about there must have been like a start thought that happened to um to begin with um the, the first thought was I, I was i was in a bookshop and i found a book about the philosophy of bids and i thought oh that's funny i wonder if anybody's ever thought of the theology of bids and i started looking around and i just found snippets of stories that were really interesting about the history of beards, about how at one point you could be excommunicated if you were a Catholic priest for having a beard, and um, and, the, and the great schism between the Orthodox Church and the, and the Roman Church, um, you know, beards were an issue that, that were debated and discussed, and and uh, and I just found all these snippets, so then just kept digging and digging, and and found there's this really really interesting story, which is partly about beards and those sorts of things, but actually it's an awful lot about how people draw their identities about how things like beards, which to us seem totally peripheral to anything kind of important, um, actually to others were important. So how did that creep into your faith and your theology? How did that kind of get in there? And then there are even, there are even snippets in the Bible. 
um, which talks of those those theologies. So so it, it, it sort of uses the story of, of beards and lots of funny things in there, but really it talks to how we draw our identity, how do we come to our theology, um, how the the ideas that we have from our cultural context sort of sometimes seep into uh, the way we read the Bible or our, or our theological um, beliefs. So there, there is, it's, it's lots of fun and obviously, and it's kind of quirky um, and there's lots of historical stuff that uh, I guess some people might know, but but I would think a lot of people don't know. But then there's a little bit that makes you go away and think. Actually, I wonder. I wonder if there's something like that today that I argue with people about beards, and really it's not that <laughs> important. And we could we could talk about some other things. I think that was my kind of favourite thing about the book. That yes, it, there there was humour, obviously, and um, you know it was it was um, it had that sort of lightness to it, but also that sort of sense of in well like you say not even in 50 years but now you know what is it that we are arguing about which feels like life and death I mean it, it <laughs> there were moments where it was life and death whether you had a beard or not kind of thing um and um you know what is that for us now and just how we get into that how we travel that journey from something which which initially is maybe a a sort of you know feels like a, a, a private spiritual decision that gets to be something which you know draws the lines very deeply between us as Christians so um over the last year it's been an interesting time for us all and um what we wanted to do here with our conversations on the podcast is um is to ask you what that has looked like in terms of your faith life um, which is caught up in the whole of our life together um, over the last year. What's it looked like for you in terms of the Christian community that you're a part of, whatever that, that has looked like? How has it worked for you? How has it not worked for you maybe? Um, but also in your sort of individual um, uh, spiritual life, how have you done it in, in this pandemic time? Mm. I mean, I, I think probably like a lot of people, it's been kind of a bit of a roller coaster, a bit up and down at times, uh, fits and starts. Um, you know, I always think that the Christian life or my Christian life, it, it has quite a routine and a rhythm to it as you go through the, you know, the seasons, you go, you go through the, um, you know, from, from Easter and, you know, you go around looking forward to Christmas and all these things. And it sort of comes around in a, in a regular rhythm. Um, and that, to some extent, if you if you embrace those things in, in the life of the church, you go through seasons where, um, you know, you're contemplative and you focus and other times when you're celebrating and other times, you know, you, you kind of go, it takes you through those things and you do it together as a community. Um, being locked on your own, it's broken those rhythms and you've got to do it on your own a lot more than you, you normally would. So for me, it's been fits and starts and up and down. And Sometimes it's been quite good. I've, I've, one thing I've taken on is, is I've been reading a lot more um, mm. because there's not an awful lot else to do. Um, so, so at times that's been great, you know, a chance to really, really do some more reading and something. But then, you know, uh, for me, you kind of get to the point where you okay, I've read enough now. I want to, to do something else. So, so it's, been, it's been a little bit of, of fits and starts. Um, I think the church community, it's been difficult to be community in the same way. 
Um, I've always been part of a home group, for example, and and even mm. when we go through periods when we're not that good at meeting very often and those things, we're we're all kind of, we all know we're there and we we chat and um, you know it's that that routine is obviously broken and the seeing people that you would just normally see on a Sunday you, you don't see anymore. And so you, we, we've sort of ended up retrenching to a much smaller group of close friends you see regularly uh, and, mm. you, you know, chat with online and so on. But that wider community is much harder to connect with. And I think that that just brings a sort of richness to church life um, that, that we're losing out on at the moment. So I guess my experience has been a little bit up and down and fits and starts. Yeah, and like with um with those kind of the the home groups. So would you normally have met once a week or? Um... That's always been the ambition, Jody. Okay. <laughs> or once fortnight, or it's been for a many, regular thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for 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 many, I've been part of a home group for I don't know twenty years, uh, and for long periods we've met every week, and then there are times when we don't quite you know make it that often. Um, so, so we we're not we weren't quite in a weekly rhythm pre-lockdown, but um, but but we were we sort of talk talk regularly and see each other regularly, and mm. um, so that's the sort of that's the group you go to. Uh, yeah, and and but so you haven't that hasn't transferred to the online thing. No, oh, well, in fact, our, our church um, church family have, have have now tried to sort of give a little bit more of a push on that. So we've set up some community mm. groups, and we you know I guess for, for people to organize however they want to but it's it's really just another way of pushing effectively cell groups or home groups or those sorts of things even though you, you might not be able to meet in person but arrange smaller groups to do so um, so we've sort of been reconnecting um, mm. with another small group in that way because um, I guess um, those kind of home like you say home groups house groups fellowship groups whatever people yeah. call them there'll be a, a sort of common experience for for a number of people um there's sort of a microcosm of, of you know our wider church congregations in that obviously in our church congregation we meet with a lot of people um who are not like us mm. there are some people who are like us and there are some people who are not like us and that's part for me and and um i suspect for you the the that's a positive thing you know the diversity of that is something which builds the richness of our church yeah. communities and then we have these smaller groups but they also have a flavor of meeting with people who are different to us who who maybe we wouldn't choose in another life um uh and but then if that's taken away from us and actually the people that we have energy to meet with the people that we have energy to do some of the kind of deeper stuff with and the soul stuff with that we would maybe do if we met well like you say once a week or you know um every so often with this particular group of people we know them well enough to maybe do some of that soul stuff with but in in this time we don't have energy for that and so it's good to have those those like you say those smaller groups of people who but maybe they tend to be those who are more like us and so that has that has um something in it which we need because we just need to to be with those um close people who know us best but also we are i think we are really losing out on that diversity of um what is the body of christ yeah and, I think and it teaches us we've definitely found it harder to get into those the rhythms of okay should we should we meet because then it's another zoom meeting when mm -hmm. we've all been on zoom all day and 
um, you know, particularly a, a number of us have children. So then you've got the, you know, the challenges of homeschooling children and, and balancing jobs around homeschooling children and then trying to also set up another Zoom meeting. It's sort of, it, it's, it's felt a little bit harder to organize those things. Mm -hmm. um, you know the times the times when it's it's been easy is it's you know on a kind of wednesday you go you know you go around for dinner or, or on a wednesday we, we 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 do we do home group and now um you know you can still do that but it's felt like life's been very disrupted around it i mean in one sense you sort of reflect and think well it's all the more reason to kind of prioritize it because that's the they're, they're the people that you kind of really lean on in in those times but it but it's also um but it is it is just a bit harder i think to um to, to create that space. Yeah, and like we, you know, we we were talking about before, the whole Zoom thing is is just very exhausting, um, and it's very difficult then to um, to have all of your life. You know, you 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 might use Zoom a lot for work um, or for people who are you know like say involved with homeschooling, to then have this aspect of life online as well is just too hard so has your uh, christian community life has that all been online has that all gone online because i know when you know um the the first week of conversations i was talking to ruth and she was saying actually for her christian community the online thing wouldn't have worked and so they've gone a completely um different way and I, I had to smile because she said oh you know everyone has the conversation about oh you know are you zooming or are you live streaming or are you doing a pre-record and she said there are actually other options <laughs> and I had to smile because actually you know that is the conversation that that I have I have with myself about whether doing those sort of three online options um we are doing a, a few other things trying to reach people who, who can't be online for whatever reason but I was interested to hear that you know in her community that that it's all it's all that other thing that they've had to invest their time into no we're, we're now we're now all online um between lockdowns it was great to get back even though we couldn't sing um yeah. we, we were back which was great and you know i think we, it, it was like a sort of big there was a sort of bit of release you know as, as we all got back together and you know we weren't allowed to there's all these awkward rules that were a bit frustrating like <laughs> not being able to stick around and have a cup of tea and chat with people and so we were all kind of hanging around the car park shouting at each other from two meters apart <laughs> to try and have a bit, of, a bit of community about what we were doing and uh but but sadly now we're, we're back all online and you know i'm sure doing all the things that lots of people are doing zoom churches and trying to do sunday school sessions online and things like that but um yeah as you say i think a lot of people spend all day staring into the same screen and then you sort of switch it off and then you're back on for your for your social life back on the same chair in the same screen it's, it's just a yeah. bit wearing. it's just a bit wearing it is isn't it and i and i think it's you know we have to be really kind to to each other and um you know whether it's you know whether you're leading a church or whether you're you're part of the congregation there there's that sort of unhealthy pressure um to engage in some of these things which actually are, are not are not necessarily essential to kind of keeping our faith going <laughs> in that sense there are other ways of doing that and i'm just wondering if there's uh, you know i guess i am wondering how we stay bonded as communities you know i know in terms of our 
my own church community. You know, we have a Sunday morning service, which is, <laughs> we have Zoom coffee afterwards, but we have either a pre-recorded service or um, a live stream. It, it depends who's doing it. But, I, you know, I think we probably have about half the congregation as we were last March who engage with that. Um, sometimes less, sometimes more. But I'm really aware that there are there are other people out there who still feel very much that they're part of the congregation, but are not engaging with those particular things that feel um, like, you know, everything is geared towards what we do on a Sunday now. And, you know, at St. Michael's, we, we you know, have very much intended to be a church which is open you know, Monday to Sunday, you know, before lockdown, the church was literally open and unlocked so people could visit it at any time, um, you know, every day. Um, and we had different things going on to, you know, the idea was blessing the community in God's name, whether that was toddler group or chair based exercise or, you know, people coming to, you know, from we worked with the local council, people would come and do mediation sessions using our rooms. Uh, we worked with a an ambulance crew training company they would come and, and use our space to mm -hmm. train their ambulance crew we felt we were engaging with the community in lots of different ways and then in lockdown it has felt like everything who we are as church suddenly became a very sunday thing which felt like the opposite of the way <laughs> the church has been going um in recent years and i think i, I you know i find that really difficult I mean, I think one of the things that's been diff difficult is just the connectedness of knowing what's going on. Um, and so strangely, one of the things that's thrived is just the news network, you know, sending out the news, or like the newsletter, you know, whatever you call your 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 version yeah, of that. Yeah. Everyone's desperate to hear what's going on with everybody, what's going on with all these things. And, you know, I think like we've got lots of examples of similar things. You know, we, we pre-lockdown, we used to run a, a the, um, be part of the homeless shelter network in our, in our local group of churches. So we'd open up one day yeah. we'd host host that one a week. Um, unfortunately, we can't host people to sleep right now, um, but we are still involved. And so you just, we're all desperate for news. How's it going? What's going on? What's coming up? And actually just sharing that news. And certainly in lockdown one, we did a really good series um, where we were just sharing the news of people who've been part of the part of our kind of church family and then and then moved on to other things like um you know people who have come through and, and gone off to ordination and or, or moved overseas it's just what's going on because normally you the grapevine works because you know the, those networks are active and you hear what's going on with people's lives yeah. you hear what's going on with these different aspects of our church life um but but at the moment those networks are a little bit broken so just sharing the news and i think that's that helps with a lot of the connectedness even if you're not you're not sort of actively participating in a number of those things. You're hearing the news. You're part of the network. You're part of the web. So I think that's that was that's been a uh, an interesting lesson in just just communicating and sharing the news, sharing what's going on, and bonding people together in that way. I guess it shows how. I mean, we know this. I know we know this, but it it just you know really brings you brings it into sort of clarity about how much our faith is about being connected about that sort of social aspect and by social i i don't mean um something we play at but you know that sort of we're we're socially wired so to connect with god there is something about connecting with each other that Absolutely. is inherent 
I mean, and, you know, now we're, we're straying into theology, but um, we very often, <laughs> no. partly because, because of the way, it, you know, the English language works and, and our translations, when we read in the Bible a you plural, we tend to read it as a you singular. Uh, yes, and, yes. And we tend to personalise and individualise what is actually a corporate faith. You know, it, when we say give us, uh, you know, our daily bread, do we really mean give me my daily bread and, you know, everybody yes. kind of saying or actually are we are we in this together and it's it's uh, give us our daily bread as a group and I, I, so absolutely it's I think yeah. it's, it's a central part of the faith that we've slipped out of which is really a, a product of our kind of Protestant history that it's it's a, it's become an overly individualized faith and, and now you know we're, we're challenging we're really straining at that now when everybody's yeah. literally locked in their own house how, how do you act as as a community in, in uh, together when you you can't live yeah. Uh, and things like you know when it says you're a temple of the holy spirit you know we we think about that as in your body rather than the body of christ which holds the spirit in us now i don't want to i'm going to get into trouble i think but um well, yes, i do think we have the holy spirit in us as individuals you know but <laughs> but there is something about the holy spirit being with us as a church community which i think we're we're really missing really missing but having said that then i you know i think about all the um the christians the persecuted christians over the years the the christians who have been on their own and where they have been sourced by god in that and what what does that look like what does it look like maybe for them what does it look like for us because it can't just be that our faith is is only if we are together no i mean you're, you're right um but the sort of um the units i guess in in just western society you know we, we are a more individualized society than, than would have been the case um you know centuries ago where where you know extended family units would, would have lived and stayed together and, and lots in the same area for, for long periods of time and the, the connections are very very strong um, in local communities, and we are a much more individualized society, but, you know, it's still very true, very true, it take, takes a village to raise a child, and, and you know, that's yeah. still the case now, um, and the church plays, uh, you know, I think a, a big and important part of that, whether it's bringing people through baptism, and what does that mean, well, it's, it's part of a community, having those groups for children uh, as, as they grow up and learn together to be part of that community together and do events together, um, you know the home group type things that we've talked about before. You know there's so many, so many sort of things that that, that bind us together in our faith. So I, I, I still think it's it's pretty important that we we look at that not just in the kind of um, we do our faith individually, but we have lots of social connections with each other. But but actually our faith <laughs> is is communal as a as a faith. Actually, that's that is really important because I think sometimes when we've talked about faith being being in community together and our faith being a, a corporate thing that too often that is about our our faith is we're sort of individuals sat together yeah. in church yeah. doing our individual faith and like you say we have some some social and by that I do mean the playing part of it um social connections with the people who we happen to sit next to in church but actually is the faith that is expressed in our church community a corporate one and, and i you know again without wishing to be a little too serious and theological but <laughs> you know we have inherited some theological baggage uh 
and, and I, you know, I was I was chatting with a with a um, uh, a well-known theology theologian the other day, talking about just the, the sort of um, the way justification by faith is passed down to us as a yeah. as a sort of doctrine, as if it means that that really that the um, it's the quality of our faith which which justifies us before God, rather than the fact that actually the quality of our faith doesn't matter two hoots. Um, <laughs> but, but feel that that's the important thing. So if my faith weakens, somehow God, you know, won't like me anymore. You know, um, yeah. it sort of puts an awful lot of strain on on people's um, beliefs and people who start to feel, you know, I've 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 been involved for many years in Alpha courses. You know, done lots of Alpha courses, and people sort of think, well, I don't know enough. I don't know enough yeah. to be a Christian because I need to study more. I haven't read the Bible. I, you know, I haven't. I, I don't know enough about it. But you know, I, I think anybody who followed the liturgy this morning would have heard. You know, Jesus said to the fishermen, "Come and follow me," and they dropped the nets and followed him. Well, that's it. Done. You know, <laughs> he didn't say, "Please read this book and then come and take the exam afterwards and follow me." You know, it was, <laughs> I, I think we can make our faith overcomplicated, and, and that drives a lot of pressure on the individual and what it means for them. And the community can really kick in to say. Look, if you're part of this, if you're part of this community and you're trying to follow Jesus, that's it. That's what Christianity yeah. is. That's the faith. It, it, you know? Now, of course, we can we can get under the skin of that and, and learn as much as we can about about the way God's revealed His nature to us and, and through Jesus and through Scripture. We can learn a lot, and that's a great exploration. But that's not some hurdle to get over before we can really consider ourselves proper Christians. Uh, you know, yeah. you're a proper Christian when you know enough. When you've learned that you know you've done your homework, then you're a proper Christian. Now you're a proper Christian when you 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 drop your nets and you follow Jesus. That's that's the hurdle, and it's a very very easy one. And and so for me, that's that's the corporate life is bringing people along. You, are you following? Right, you're part of us. You're one of us. You're in, uh, and off we go together. Yeah, I mean, I do find that I do find that very challenging to to all well. I don't know all of our churches, of course, but, you know, I feel like across the board, you know, whether it's a church in, you know, churches I've been perhaps in, in Cambridge full of professors and um, people who do know a lot of stuff, you know, but who still, you know, and then part of that is that, that there's a sort of sense of knowing stuff is really important, you know, but I have you know, I have plenty of people who still say to me, you know, I don't really know enough to do that role or I don't know enough to, to you know, and it's it's a huge, yeah, culture change, I guess, that needs to happen in the church to get over that side of it. And that's not to to dismiss deeply knowing the story. Um, it's, it's hugely enriching, you know, to, to go on that journey. That's part of discipleship, to, to learn more and more about um, about Jesus and about the, the faith that we have that's that's deeply enriching to, to go on that journey but it's not some hurdle you need to cross you know no is there some entry criteria into the club that if you don't <laughs> pass the test you're not in you know and that's sort of how it feels sometimes um, and, and I you know personally I think there's a big historical baggage on that in the way we've, we've sort of inherited um, some some elements of, of, of um, you know the Protestant faith but um, but yeah the way out is community or the way forward is community not out <laughs> wow <laughs> um okay so thank you mouse over the last um year um again it's probably been a bit crap for a lot of people um for all kinds of different reasons uh but you know lockdown has um sort of spotlighted you know stuff that's going on in our society um as well as in our own lives which 
you know, which, which then is is very hard to get away from um, when you're locked down and, you know, things just haven't been good for a lot of people. So what for you is the reason that you kind of keep going with the faith, even though it's fits and starts, even though it's maybe not as rich um, or as good as it has been or you feel it could be? You know, what what's the point in following Jesus when it doesn't make a huge amount of sense, maybe at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a really interesting comment when it when it doesn't make a lot of sense is is interesting, isn't it? And I think well, I don't know. It might make sense to you, Max, yeah. but at no, the moment, I, sometimes I, it. I know. I think it's a, a really important comment, actually. Um, just think, you know, when when you asked me to come and join this conversation, I was sort of thinking about things and scribbled a few notes, and one of them was um, I was kind of thinking about what makes a resilient faith and, and what's a faith that really struggles when you when you have bad, hard times. Um, and I think one element of a resilient faith is accepting that you don't know everything and that we can't explain everything and that, you know, God's ways are higher than ours and, and the world is a complicated thing and, and we don't know the mind of God. So I, I think that means when I see people who have a faith which wants to tie everything up neatly, you know, there's got to be a clear explanation that I can have. I get particularly galled when I see those videos that say the gospel explained in 30 seconds. <laughs> like if you can explain it in 30 seconds you haven't understood it mate that's you know that, that's not how it works but so so accepting that there is mystery and things we don't understand I think is important so that we don't feel the need to to have a perfect rational you know detailed explanation for every everything that happens particularly when those things are terrible you know some, some there are some things um notions that that certain certain parts of the church worldwide want to try and sell you that um if you follow jesus your life will be wonderful always well that's clearly not been the case it certainly wasn't the case for jesus immediate followers who were all killed for their faith you know um so so you know push, pushing those things to the side for me when i, when I became a, a christian it was i i, it, I was in my early 20s and there were kind of I, for me two really big hurdles i felt i had to cross um, the first one was, is this faith trying to sell something good? Is, is it actually good at the end of it? Or is this some awful control mechanism, you know, where mm. we've got to obey all these awful rules that, you know, don't make sense morally and, and, and you know, kowtow to people who are, are no better than us in, in hierarchies and all these sorts of things. That was the kind of baggage I had. So by, by reading more of the Bible and, and reading more around faith, I got to think, I can actually see how this is good. This is a freedom and a liberation and, and, and the sort of the Jesus way, if you like, following Jesus. Um, that is a better way. That is a good way that, you know, it's, it, it chimes with our kind of inner beings as to how we are created and how we can live a good life uh, as individuals and as a community. So I got over the hurdle that that's good. I then had to get over the hurdle that it's true. <laughs> and that, that was maybe slightly harder but the, the thing that I clung on to was the life of Jesus I couldn't I, you know I couldn't get over the fact that it was pretty well documented life as, as historical figures go at that time you know it's, 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 it's you know there's lots of really good rational evidence for, for Jesus existing and then and then you sort of get get through the stuff about um the gospels you know were, were actually written pretty close to, to Jesus' lifetime, a lot closer than many people imagine that they were, you know, uh, and lots of reasons to think that they're more or less telling a reliable story of, of Jesus' life and sort of piecing it together and, and eventually then, you know, having personal, uh, you know, personal experience of, of, of God speaking to me and, and 
Mm -hmm. So you, I got over the hurdle of it's true, but at that point, I, it still was not everything tied up and uh, you know neatly understood the whole failure, but by no means whatsoever. But for me, I've always kind of hang on, hung on to that as the as 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 the core of my faith. You know, it's good and it's true, and so when you when you run into things that that are difficult and don't make sense, it, it doesn't. It's never challenged for me. It's, nothing's ever challenged those those core things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this time's been been challenging. There's been plenty of terrible times in other things. Which, you know, everybody everybody will go through, you know, bereavements and things like that, which are heartbreaking and crushing. But nothing has ever challenged for me that that following Jesus is good, <laughs> and that the heart of the faith is true. So I've I've never had a kind of moment of my gosh, I, I, you know, maybe I've got this all wrong. Um, I've never had that. I've, I've never sort of been reliant on, on Jesus speaking to me regularly, you know, three times a week or, 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 or <laughs> doing something right or wrong. So I, I, I think there are maybe, maybe that's partly my experience. And maybe partly it's also trying to think about what's a resilient faith that, that isn't dependent on, on experience or feeling happy and joyful all the time or, or good things always happening all the time or having a neat explanation for every single aspect of, of faith because if you have those things and sooner or later the experiences of life will will challenge those things yeah i think that's that's a really important point actually that um it's not bad if you have those things but at some point those things are the things that are going to be challenged and they're not the things which make it good and true no no absolutely, absolutely. i remember thinking you know that um I'll tell, tell you a secret. No, um, but you know, sometimes I could put the church in the bin. You know, <laughs> some of all these things I could really, you know, put in the bin sometimes. But the thing that that's always is just the person of Jesus. Yeah. And I know that can sound really trite in itself, but I that that's the thing that I can that I that I can only hold on to in some of these times because yeah. the you know the church as a you know institution as well as a, a sort of you know universal body as it were will let you down um when you are in those circumstances and i particularly feel at this moment you know we're we're all struggling and you know often you know obviously hopefully in church communities when you know when one suffers we all suffer and so we all you know we all hopefully come together and there's things that we can do to you know raise one another up and to to help one another but when we're all struggling actually that that system slightly falls apart there are sometimes when we can come in and help one another but actually the the energy that people have to to do that for one another is is not the same and there's not one person struggling at one time so that we can help mm. and then one person struggling at another time we're we're all struggling and and so the the truth of who Jesus is is the only thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess also that my, my personal experience has been that there there have been some more positive aspects of of being through this kind of lockdown and, and negative aspects as well. Um, and I do think there's something about uh, about not allowing yourself to be completely overtaken by by all the negative, even if they feel completely overwhelming, and, and trying to mm. trying to hang on to the positives and. You know, for me, you know, just being being with family more, you know, has has been a, a big positive. So, um, so I personally, in my experience, and not everyone would have had the same experience as me, but but my personal experience has been there have been good things that I can, you know, I can match onto and and focus energies on. You know, not, 
sort of reminds me a little bit of the, of the scripture about, you know, whatever's good, dwell on that, you know. Uh, there's plenty of bad around if you want to dwell on that, but it's not going to get you very far. That doesn't mean you don't have to confront it or deal with it or, or you're not going to be challenged by it, but try and dwell on, on the good. And if the good that you've got is is Jesus in your life, then that's <laughs> a bit to, to hang on to. And if you've got some other things like, like family or friends that you can dwell on as well, then that, that's well, you know, all the better. You've got you know, all the more to build on. Well, thank you, Mouse, um, for your time with me today. It's been great to chat with you. Lovely to speak to you too, Jodie. So as we end this week, um, Mouse mentioned that um, passage from Philippians 4 uh, that urges us to look at the good things. Uh, so ponder the beautiful, my friends. Um, and this reading is taken from Philippians 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Let others know about it and listen on Fridays for new episodes, which you can get from Anchor or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, among other platforms. Go well into your day and may you come again soon to these doors.